that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Hump Day here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Weather continues just to stay strong. I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I'm happy about it. As always, what I'm not as happy about, joined by Trevor Kelsey. Trevor, how you doing, friend? Oh, you're thrilled to hear my voice. I know. I really am. I am. And it's going to be a fun show today. It's Cats Illustrated Wednesday, so we'll record our podcast live at 425. We'll have Justin rolling on like we always do, so you can tune into that. If you can't catch the whole thing or you're not going to be able to tune in at that part of the show, you can catch it on catsillustrated.com later today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, it is National Signing Day, Trevor. The early period started today, and Kentucky received their first signee in uh, Winyan Gabriel, the forward uh, who picked UK over Duke. It was a surprise. That was about a month ago. So he made it official, signed today. Sasha Kilia Kalea, however you want to say it, Jones, will commit. I thought, I thought or, it was Killa Jones. Uh, that's how I say it. So that's kind of like to get the kind of the, the hip hop sound to it, doesn't it? It's Sasha like Killa, yeah. Sasha Killia Jones sounds like he should be like a like a West Coast rapper. I like it. I, I know it's got a little it's got a little bad boy vibe to it. I'm I actually all for like it. the name. That's why I'm kind of hoping he doesn't go to Kentucky. He well, he unless he decommits here in the next <laughs> few days, which he will not. Uh, he will sign on Saturday, and then will De'Aaron Fox sign with Kentucky tomorrow? He'll make his decision at six o'clock on ESPNU. It's going to be a busy next three days, not only here on the show, but also just in the sports world, Trevor. Today uh, is going to be relatively calm. It's a big TV night for me, so I'm excited about that. Sports aside, uh, but tomorrow... Is it reality TV night? We got Survivor tonight, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, Abe's pretty excited about it, too, as he was barking in the background. Um, reality, so Survivor tonight, and then also American Horror Story, which is a good show. Ooh. South Park is back tonight, Trevor. Uh, so a good TV night, not sports related. And then tomorrow you've got De'Aaron Fox's decision. It's college basketball eve. You're going to have some college football on Thursday night, the NFL game on Thursday night, and then Friday is just going to be awesome. Our college basketball preview show, and then Louisville plays, Kentucky plays. I'm going to get both TVs set up. IU plays. Uh, IU plays, North Carolina, all the good teams play, and it's going to be fun to watch that. And then Saturday, obviously, football back in the main frame, and Kentucky play. It's going to be a doubleheader for you. It, 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 this weekend's going to just be bonkers for UK fans. You've got the game. you got Darren Fox Thursday night. You've got the basketball game on Friday night. For, Saturday afternoon, while I'm going to be at a wedding, you've got Kentucky and Vanderbilt football, just a huge, huge game for UK. In other words, and then, you have Saturday afternoon, you talk about the game, the, the basketball game from the night before. What do you mean? Because you don't want to watch Vanderbilt, Kentucky, because you know that Kentucky's going to not show up and going to lose, and what little people are left on the Kentucky bandwagon of football fanhood have moved on. Well, what's with your negativity? <laughs> Am I being negative? You are. I'm sorry, getting blown. I'm, I'm actually blown doing out something. By a quarterback of Georgia, Georgia team kind of does that to you. I'm actually talking realistics here, and you just go in. And lay down just some your, your negativity, and it's it's it, I, I, there's no place for it. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a positive area. This is a positive. If Kentucky area. could have the luxury of playing Louisville's dog poop schedule, Trevor, we wouldn't be talking about people jumping off a bandwagon. Oh, 
if UK could play the likes of Syracuse, Boston College, Wake Forest, we wouldn't be talking about this. I don't know. No, we would. We I do. I know. We wouldn't be. Don't worry about us. Worry about yourself. I, I couldn't you just say that for uh, two minutes ago? Not to worry about us and worry about yourself. Uh, do as I say. Not as see. I this do. is what you did. See, and now we've derailed, and it's bad radio. I didn't mean to get you off the rail. Keep going. Get back on the just, rail. Again, you just throw stuff. Hope that you make sense. Although you know that generally you don't. Oh man! Like five minutes in, I already pissed you off. Yeah, Trevor. Because again, I, I I'm laying out the weekend, and you say, "Oh, people don't have to watch Kentucky," which again, I don't under, even understand what you mean because it's such a bad attempt at talking trash that I didn't understand it. I understood it. This is all that matters. Sometimes I think you're the only person that understands anything that you do. And then I bet you don't even understand some things that you do half the time. I go in and out. All right. Anyways. I, and I'm, again, I, I've, I've made my point, and we're going to talk with Justin about the UK Vanderbilt game. I, I, my guess is it's close. And like I said, if it's close, I think Kentucky wins. Now, I don't think Kentucky loses a close game. Why? There's no real reason for it. I just don't think they lose a close game. I think if they haven't been in a close game in a while, and I think if they get back to one, I think they're going to be able to pull it out, especially against a team like Vanderbilt that doesn't have all that much talent. Now, if it's not a close game, Kentucky, I don't think it's going to blow out Vanderbilt. I don't see that scenario happening. Now, I could see Vanderbilt blowing out Kentucky. The wheels just fl- fall off, turnovers. Vandy's offense is never going to come to life, but if UK gives them a short field after short field after short field, they're going to cash in t- a few times. So, if it's a blowout, I do think Vanderbilt wins. Close game, I think UK wins. We'll talk with Justin more about that later in the show. Shortly after the UK Vanderbilt game, trying to get back on track, Kentucky's going to play another basketball game. And they'll take on Albany on Friday night, NJIT on Saturday night. And those will be good games for Kentucky because those teams are, I, I think, predicted to win their conference. They're not good teams by any stretch of the imagination. But I think they are teams that are predicted to win their conference and make the NCAA tournament. So it'll be a good test. And in the New Jersey Institute Technology game, uh, that was the team that beat Michigan last year, Trevor, if you remember. I do. And that was when they weren't in a conference. I think at that time they were the only team not in a conference in college basketball. And uh, now they are in a conference. I think maybe in the Horizon League. I don't know exactly what conference they ended up in. Uh, but that that will be the interesting game for me because they do have some talent. They beat Michigan last year. And then that'll be less than it'll be 24 hours after playing Albany. So uh, we'll see how Kentucky's legs are. Uh, again, you don't worry about it too much at the beginning of the year. They should be fresh. They should be ready to go. Uh, but there, there was some huffing and puffing in some of these exhibitions in that blue-white game. So we'll see how Kentucky's players can hold up playing back-to-back games. And then shortly after that, quick turnaround, they'll head to Chicago to take on Duke on Tuesday. I wish we could just fast-forward and get to that game. Uh, but there will be plenty of basketball before then. Louisville, big weekend for them as well. They they get back to action on the court first game of the season on Friday night. Uh, at the same time as, as Kentucky, they'll play Samford without a T. And then on Saturday, they'll, they'll host Sarah, or Virginia excuse me, for their senior day. So big sports weekend here in the Bluegrass. So Kentucky Trevor, plays three games in five days in basketball. They do, which that's really jumping right into the college basketball season. Uh, at first, I didn't think that was a great idea to, to do that. Eh. 
but it is the beginning of the year. They should be okay. And you probably want to try to get as much rust off as possible before heading into that Duke game, even if that means cramming games in. So they should go in that Duke game kind of having an understanding of how they want to play, what what works for the most part. Now, you won't really truly know what works until you face a good opponent, and that will be Duke. Uh, but they'll have an idea of some of the, the – John Calipari, I think this is smart for him. He'll have a better idea of some of the things that work, players that play well together. Maybe they press, maybe they don't. I don't think they do. So we'll see. Uh, Captain Arctic texting the show and asks if I'm watching Manhattan, a great show on WGN. I know of Manhattan, but I've never I, watched it. I don't know of Manhattan. I don't know what that is. It, uh, it, so I'm not watching. It's a show based on not the city, but the project uh, of the atomic bomb, the Manhattan Project. Oh, that sound that actually yeah. does sound pretty good. It's uh, it's supposed to be kind of like a madman verse madmen verse kind of show where it's obviously well based in the the time period, but when you in the previews I've seen it looks like it's kind of shot the same way. The, I don't know, the 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 picture looks the same. It kind of got that grainy kind of look to it. Yeah. Uh, the best way to I can't just I can't put my finger. It's one of those things I can I can know it if I see it, but I can't describe it. And it's got that kind of look. I, I only see it because I watch reruns of uh, How Much Your Mother on WGN on occasion, and they show commercials for Manhattan uh, every commercial break. <laughs> and I, I told you, I, I would like to get into that. Uh, I told you that I was watching The Man in the High Castle yesterday, right? That's right. Yeah, the one where the Nazis won the World War II or whatever. Nazis in Japan. Yeah. Okay, so it's on. It's streaming on Amazon, and that's kind of the way that things are going, Trevor. They're streaming on Amazon. They're streaming on Netflix. They're... Uh, they're this and that. It, it's great because hopefully they eventually eliminate the cable companies. Uh, I think I'm dreaming now, there, but hopefully does, they does, eventually do. Does Amazon do it like Hulu? I'm going well, to rephrase that. I, I've never actually watched a Hulu production show, but like Netflix does where the whole season comes out at one time. Well, that's what I was getting at. Okay, uh, it, it's not It's not like that, or at least this is maybe this is the exception to other Amazon original series or whatever. I, I like how Netflix does it where when you're watching house of cards it's just all right there and you can theoretically and literally for me uh go through it in a weekend which then you say oh man now i don't have house of cards for another year but it makes that weekend unforgettable yourself if you if you need be i mean you can say yeah you can and that that, i like that netflix gives you the option now i can't pace myself because it's such a good show that i literally just take one weekend and i watch a ton of house of cards and i get it over with i do the same Uh, thing but I do like that you have the option. I agree with you there. But this was interesting to me, and I, I, I'd love if somebody's listening and maybe know this. Uh, so the man the man in the high castle, it's really good. I, I, maybe I could read up on it, too. That would make things easier. Well, you watched but another episode last night, then I assume. I did. Uh, and it's supposedly based on a novel, which maybe I'll read that book, too, if I, if I get the chance. It is. When I Googled it last day, that's the first thing that came up was the novel. Okay. So I'm... Going to watch an episode, well, I, I, I was talking with a friend that has also watched it, and I said, how many episodes did you get to? And he said, well, there's only two, so I just watched the first two. I watched two yesterday. I got Hannah on board with it. I think she likes it, which is exciting for me. And, and I was thinking today or later tonight, uh, maybe I'll watch number three, maybe number four. You know, who knows? But a friend tells me that there's just two episodes. That doesn't make sense. I thought there was a whole season out. So I go and look. The first episode, Trevor, came out January 15th, 2015. So the 15 days into this new year. Mm. Second episode came out 
October 24th, 2015. What? I, what? What? How does that happen? I'm assuming maybe, I mean, I guess Amazon's kind of trying to catch, I mean, they're, they're, they're trailing. I mean, in terms of, I guess you would say streaming networks and original programming. I mean, how often do you, do you sit around and you're talking to your friends and you talk about streaming programming shows and you bring up Amazon plus, I mean, you, you'll say you'll, you may, you'll hear Netflix brought up often, probably nine out of 10 times. Maybe a Hulu plus will come up even, even crackle. Which had the popular show with uh, Jerry Seinfeld on it, uh, coffee with driving and comedians and coffee or whatever. That was I've never really watched it, but it's supposed to be a funny show. I like Jerry Seinfeld, so maybe I'd enjoy it sometime. But Amazon never gets like any love at all. Anyway, I mean, you never really talk. I mean, how can you bring up Amazon unless you're talking about ordering something? Off- Did I leave TJ speechless? I may have lost TJ for a second. I may have just left him completely speechless. I'm surprised I didn't do that when I made my joke about Kentucky not wanting to watch football. Well, hopefully we'll try to reconnect with TJ here in a second. We'll take a quick break, come back, and when we try to find TJ and see where maybe we'll figure out uh, how far he has come into the show. Right back on the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. Keg in the closet, pizza on the floor. Left on from the night before. Where we were going, we didn't really care. We had all we ever wanted. And that keg in the closet. Okay, I'm gonna rise up, gonna kick a little ass, gonna kick some ass in the USA, gonna climb a mountain, gonna sow a flag, gonna fly on an eagle, I'm gonna kick some butt, I'm gonna drive a big truck, I'm gonna rule this world, I'm gonna kick some ass, I'm gonna rise up, I'm gonna kick a little ass, rock, flag, and eagle! Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're gonna go America all over their asses! On 1450, the Sports Buzz. So had some technical difficulties there. We apologize. Uh, it seems like the internet went out somewhere, either in the station or here on my side of things. Not 100% sure. Uh, but when you do the, the show over the air like we do, that's bound to happen from time to time. But we are back, and we're going to be getting the Cats Illustrated podcast going here in just a few minutes. I'll let you know when that begins. Uh, but again, do apologize for the technical difficulties. There's a lot to talk about. Because we, we're going to have to talk a little bit about that George game. And we're going to have to talk a little bit about... And Justin Rowland knows UK football just as well as anybody, if not more than anybody. But we're going to have to talk about where the coaching staff stands. What, what Are they on the hot seat? Are recruits getting nervous? Uh, and then, you know, we'll preview the Vanderbilt game. Who should be the quarterback? What Justin's hearing about who should be the quarterback? All those important pieces that head into it. And then we'll we'll turn our attention to basketball and... Uh, it'll probably be a little more upbeat when we talk about basketball, but that that's okay. Uh, football team still figuring out still plenty of time for them to turn this season around as you have 
a situation where you've got three very winnable games. I think that's something that's being lost. And I was very negative on Monday's show. And it's not something I like to do, but sometimes you, you have to be realistic. And there's a lot of negativity surrounding UK football. But there are three winnable games, very winnable games left on the schedule. And yes, I am considering Louisville a, a very winnable game. I'm not saying necessarily will win it, but I think Kentucky's got a, a great chance heading into that. I think they have a great chance to beat Vanderbilt. Charlotte, they will win. So can they get two more wins and go to a bowl? And hell, it's not you can't completely rule out the idea of three more wins where they could finish the year seven and five. And you would make all that negativity from the four-game losing streak just go away and everybody forget about it. But we're going to talk all about that and more. Joining us for the Cats Illustrated podcast, Justin Rowland, the publisher of CatsIllustrated.com. Justin, how are you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? I'm doing very well, TJ. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. It wouldn't be the Cats Illustrated podcast without you. And there, as always, as there is every Wednesday, but this one maybe seemingly more so with the start of college basketball and UK football in a must-win situation, uh, there's a lot to talk about. And, and let's jump right in. Uh, Kentucky goes down to Georgia in a game that I thought was winnable for the Caps. And just like against Tennessee, just like against Mississippi State, Kentucky's blown out and the vibe around the Kentucky football program is as bad as maybe it's been in the Mark Stoops era. Where, what do you think the coaching staff is feeling right now? What are they going through? And have, has Mark Stoops lost this team, Justin? That's an interesting question. I think we're going to find out on that last question. We're going to find out over the next three weeks. And, you know, we might find out as soon as pretty early in the Vanderbilt game because the energy, the effort, uh, not just energy and effort, but focus is going to show what kind of preparation you know, the team has, has put in and has had this week. You can't fake, you know, a week of not focusing, a week of dissent and division. You can't fake that. You know, Mark Stoops admitted earlier this week that, you know, not everybody was on the same page. And, and for a coach to admit that, kudos to him for being honest enough to do that. We, don't, we, don't, we, we want people to be honest, and then we criticize coaches for their honesty. I think he should be commended for his honesty. But for a coach to say that, it, it must not be a little thing. Um, so they're not going to be able to fake what's happening all week in practice against Vanderbilt. Either they're going to come out and they're going to look like the team that they were for the first six games of the season, which is pretty good, or they're going to be the team in the last three weeks. And if that's the case, then Mark Stoops, he's not going to have a hot seat, but he's going to have a lot of doubters. Yeah, without a, and there already are some doubters. And, Justin, I'll be completely honest with you. On Monday's show, that was the first time I've said and questioned the idea, I'm not 100% sure if Mark Stoops is the right, not the right guy for this Kentucky job. Because if he's not the right guy for this Kentucky job, then I have no idea who is or if there even is somebody, if there is the right person for the Kentucky job. But it was the first time that I doubted potential success for Mark Stoops at UK because the team just seems, they don't seem like they've improved since week one. And, and they're getting, it seems like, wrong play calling in very important situations. And like you mentioned, some of the personnel, some of the players aren't on the same page. All those things shouldn't be happening this late in the season, Justin. Yeah, I don't want to be too dismissive of anybody that would disagree with that. But, I mean, we've got, we've got to be honest. Any, anybody that says they're sure that he's the right guy for the job, I think is projecting a lot more than they're thinking. Because... The only way a person could say that is, I mean, I would have to ask the person, well, what are you basing that on? I mean, how did, how did Mark Stoops recover 
from this kind of situation in his last coaching job. Oh, this is totally new. There's nothing to go. Nobody knows how they're going to recover from the last three weeks. The only precedent that we have for the last three weeks was how last season's back half went down, and that wasn't great. They did rebound a little bit for the Louisville game, but here's my point. I still think that they could do a lot worse than Stoops, and I still think that he has a window of opportunity to seize momentum again, rebound, and get this right. But it's not a guarantee. It's not the sure bet that a lot of people thought that it was. And it's not unfair to say that. He's been treated very fairly by the media, and he deserves that because he's carried himself so well and respectably. Uh, but he hasn't faced a lot of the hard questions that you would expect a coach to who hasn't had a winning season through three years. And I'm not saying he should have, but he really has been spared a lot of the overbearing media pressure that everybody faces these days. So he's going to see some of that now, and I think, I think it's totally fair. So... What happens if Kentucky goes down to Vanderbilt and things haven't changed? They have a similar effort as they had against Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi State, and they get uh, – I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that they do get blown out by Vanderbilt. What happens if that's the case? How would that change your thinking? Yeah, well, I, I don't want to over-dramatize this or, or – or... Too, you know, too much into hyperbole here because the last two games are such that I could still see them getting the 6-6. Six and six. Even if they lost to Vanderbilt and they were ugly, I, I could still see them beating Charlotte, not playing well and beating Charlotte, and I don't think they're ever going to struggle for motivation against Louisville. And last year, you know, I didn't expect them to play that kind of game against Louisville. It's at home. So 4-6 and six does not necessarily translate into missing a bowl game. Um, let's, let's establish that up front. But um, you know, it, it does seem like it would be coming apart at the seams. If, if he's admitting that after the last week, you know, what's it going to be like the following week? And I can, I, can I can tell you that there have been some problems. The, the staff believes that it has been overblown. I don't think they're thrilled with the, the, the way that their struggles have been depicted in the media. And, and, and from what I've heard, and, and I can't tell you, you know, who or, or how or what exactly has been said, but from what I've heard, I think there's a perception that maybe – maybe people haven't really appreciated how much more talented, how much better Kentucky's last three opponents have been when they're playing well. And I think that that's the feeling. The hope is uh, within the football offices that the last three opponents are a far step down from the last three. And that's absolutely true. And Georgia certainly had a lot going on. I don't think their offense was all that great, but that still is a good defense. That's a on the road in Athens. That's still a tough game to win. I would have thought Kentucky would keep it a little bit more competitive. And here's another thing, and I want your opinion on this, is you look at that Mississippi State game, you look at the Tennessee game, you look at that Georgia game. Kentucky's in all those games at halftime or just moments before halftime, and they played very tough in those first quarters and, and for the duration of those second quarters. I, I just don't get really what's falling apart right before half or in the locker room at halftime where they come out in the third quarter and they are just completely flat. Yeah, that's a great question, TJ, and, and your answer is as good as mine. What I, w what I would sort of postulate is that think, of, think about what Kentucky playing well looks like over the course of the season. Kentucky playing well against South Carolina means 24-7 to Kentucky leads in the second quarter you know, on the road in Williams-Brice Stadium. Kentucky playing well against Missouri means that Kentucky, you know, puts up points, looks good against a solid Missouri defense, and beats Missouri, you know, kind of going away. Kentucky playing good against Mississippi State looks like best-case scenario, you know, it's close at halftime. Kentucky playing well against Tennessee, 
don't know if they did play well, but Kentucky playing their best that they did in that game against Tennessee was. They're getting really outplayed and fortunate to be as close as it was. And I think that really speaks to you just don't have as much margin for error against Mississippi State, against Tennessee, as you do against the teams they played early in the season. It's not that simple because Florida has obviously proven to be a quality loss if you look at the whole thing. And Auburn, you know, they didn't play bad. Auburn's got good potential. But against the quarterbacks that they played recently, they don't have the same kind of margin for error that they did. So what, what Kentucky's A game looks like, you know, you don't build a lead against those teams whereas you did earlier in the season. Do you, do you think that that's fair? Do you think How much of it would you attribute to the quarterbacks that they face, not Georgia so much, but the quarterbacks they face really just being, being a lot of the difference? Well, certainly with Tennessee and Mississippi State, those are the two best quarterbacks in the SEC, or at least in my opinion, they're probably the two best quarterbacks in the SEC. And, and they make a young secondary pay for their mistakes, and they did that. And also, when you're not going to get a push on the defensive line and you're going to let those quarterbacks get comfortable, they're going to kill you. And that's exactly what Dobbs and Dak Prescott did. They, they killed Kentucky's defense. And with Georgia, that was the kind of the thing that, that surprised me. But I don't think Kentucky's defense played all that horrible against Georgia. Now, Kentucky made some mistakes. They gave Gave some short fields. Uh, we could agree or disagree on that fourth and two call that, that got Georgia the ball at midfield. I thought that was one of Kentucky's defense's better performance in a while. Just the offense was absolutely nowhere to be found. And there you have it, a blowout, 3-27 to 27 or what the, whatever the final score ended up being. So uh, again, you're right. That, that's a really good point, Justin. Against quarterbacks that maybe aren't as talented as Joshua Dobbs or – uh, Dak Prescott, and, you know, you could maybe throw Sean White. He, he certainly was comfortable in that game in Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, Kentucky plays much better, and Vanderbilt, uh, one, I know they're getting a quarterback back from injury. We don't really know exactly who's going to be their starting quarterback. That being said, I would expect, and it should be, a much closer game. Who's going to be Kentucky's quarterback heading into Nashville? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, a lot of people think it's going to be Patrick Tolles. Um I don't really have an opinion on it myself. I mean, do you have a – and I can, I can break this down a little bit more, and I will after I get your opinion. Who do you think should be Kentucky's quarterback this week? Because I'm interested in your answer to that. Well, Justin, hosting a radio show, I've got to come up with opinions. It's, if not, it would be a pretty boring show. What I have That's said right. and what I, what I believe is that uh, I, I think Patrick Toll should get the start in Nashville, but I have been – and I, I genuinely do believe this – Give him, at tops, two series, and if he doesn't look sharp, if he's not picking up first downs in those two series, you make the switch immediately. And, yes, you bring in a true freshman on the road in the SEC against a top-20 defense. I, I know that sounds crazy, but you can't keep losing. You can't keep doing the same things that aren't working with the same quarterback. Try something different. So I'm giving Patrick Tolles the start, giving him a chance to, to show some rhythm, to show that he's comfortable. And if he's off, if he's missing receivers, if they're not picking up first downs, I think it's so mental with Patrick Tolles that you can tell very early in the game if he's going to be locked in or not. If he doesn't seem locked in, pull him. You put Drew Barker in and you roll with Barker the rest of the season. Unless Kentucky just gets blown out by Vanderbilt, Barker plays terrible, then maybe you have another QB competition before the Charlotte game. In that case, uh, Kentucky's probably going to be in trouble regardless. But give Patrick Tolles the start but a very short leash. Would you agree with that or, or disagree? Yeah, I would start Drew Barker, and I don't say that because I, I think Barker is going to play well. He may play very poorly. I readily concede that. My, my problem, and what I don't understand, is having a third quarterback competition in 14 months that features the same two quarterbacks. 
There's no reason for me to believe that Drew Barker is going to win that quarterback competition with the way that the parameters of the competition have been set up in the past. So we're going to watch these guys take reps with basically the same players. Patrick Tolles won it in 2014. He won it in 2015. Why would I believe that that's going to be any different based on the small sample that we've seen from Barker, which, you know, a little bit promising, a little bit worrisome. Um, that's not the, how they perform in practice has not been the solution. You know, Patrick Tolles has been performing in practice presumably for the past three weeks. And he hasn't been getting any better. I'm not saying Barker would be better, but what, what they're doing is not working. And, if, and if sometimes the devil you know is, is not better than the devil you don't know. But if you're in a downward spiral, I think that's certainly true. And I would say that my second consideration would be, would be based in, in my belief that getting to 6-6 six and six is not as essential as some people think. And I know that some people will just disagree with me wholeheartedly on that. Extra month of practice, you know, recruiting momentum, whatever. Big picture, you know, 60% of teams, 50% of teams are going to play in the postseason. Two years ago, the SEC championship game featured teams that combined for 2-14 and 14 in the SEC. Progress is not necessarily linear. Kentucky could go 5-7 and seven this year and 9-3 and three next year. Or they could go 6-6 six and six this year and slip to under 500. I think if a quarterback has had as much time as Patrick Tolles has had, you know it's not going to work long term. So try something else. I, I agree with your your point about a bowl doesn't dictate progress, but I will say that because you know if Kentucky does six and six, even if they finish the year seven and five, they're they're going to a bowl that probably some people haven't heard of. It wouldn't be the most luxurious bowl out there. That being said, though, UK fans just need that, don't you think, Justin? They just need to see Kentucky back in a bowl. They need to be able to say, all right, we had a winning season or a 500 season. They need to be interested in college football into late December when the bowl games are going on because it's been a while. And yet Rich Brooks have one of the nation's longest bowl streaks. I think it was probably top 10 in the nation going, what was it, five straight bowl games? Uh, only other 10 other teams, again, I'd have to look up that fact, but it's somewhere around that. Only 10 other teams went to five straight bowl games. Kentucky needs to be back in that bowl picture. So while I agree with you, it's not going to big picture wise, if UK finishes five and seven, it's not the end of the world. But they just need to feel good about their team heading into December. And that hasn't happened in a very long time. Well, you know, I agree with you in, in, in principle. My, my issue would be I would say that Mark Stoops needs that. Uh, Mark Stoops needs that to renew enthusiasm for his, for his tenure at Kentucky. Um, I, I think Stoops has done a lot to bring fans back in the seats. He's done a lot to make the program more attractive. He's had a lot of money put into the program. He's made the uniforms look better, the field look better. He, he's, he's put a lot of fancy bells and whistles on the program. What the fans need is for the program to really start getting it right. And if that means, you know, going, going six and six because you, you beat a Vanderbilt team that averages 14 points a game and then you, you went past Charlotte and then lose to Louisville and then lose a bowl game, you know, similar to how they played against Pitt a few years back, then I don't, you know, I don't really know that that does a whole lot for the program. I don't see a lot of evidence for long-term coach, you know, kicking it up to the next level because they limped into the taxlayer.com bowl. You know, what the, what the fan base needs is to know that Mark Stoops, that their coach, whoever his name is, their coach is capable of, of bringing about a bounce back. After, after last year, they didn't bounce back. Can their coach right now bring this team back from the dead? And that's what they need to see, you know. It's not so much of the bowl game for me as it is about a coach taking decisive action and proving that he's in control of that locker room. 
Uh, we've got a, a question from one of our longtime listeners, Captain Arctic, who wants to know, in your opinion, has Patrick Tolles hit his peak as a quarterback? Which, if he has, that's a scary thought. Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I'll give a little bit of a nuanced answer. I don't think he has hit his peak as a quarterback. That's not my issue. I think he's in a lot of things better. I think he checks down better. He keeps his head up when, when there's pressure better. I think his footwork in the pocket is better. I think he's played better for longer periods of time within games. I think he's been asked to do too much. I don't think it's fair. It's not fair at all that I'm calling for Barker. My issue is not that I think Barker is better than Tolls. It's that Tolls isn't doing, he's proven that he's not able to elevate the team above and beyond what it's playing all around him. He, he's just not, he's not a transcendent figure. I don't know that Barker is, but I, I think Tolls has improved. He just hasn't improved enough. And there's nothing, there's nothing that would lead me to believe that he would improve enough over the next year to, to get Kentucky football to the next level. That's really what you're looking for at, at Kentucky. You've got to have a quarterback that's going to narrow that significant talent gap with all the rest of the SEC. Now, I mean, would you agree with that? Kentucky, maybe more than almost any other team in the SEC, besides Vanderbilt, needs a quarterback that, that, that's, going to, that's going to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you look back at the years that Kentucky has been good, it's because they have had a good quarterback. And I know that after the Woodson era, Mike Hartline, I guess he would be a borderline good quarterback. But Kentucky desperately needs somebody to step up and be that guy. And it's crazy to me, Justin, because even during the Joker Phillips era and then now into the Mark Stoops era, when are we going to have a year where there's not a quarterback controversy or a quarterback competition? I think it just helps an offense so much when you can go into an offseason, you can go into spring training, you can go into the summer, and then you can go into fall practices knowing this is our guy, this is our leader, he's going to be the guy under center. And Kentucky really hasn't had that luxury. And and maybe the, I think everybody kind of knew the signs were pointing towards Patrick Tolles heading into this season, but Drew Barker was still right there. And then we're right back to square one, and we know, regardless of what happens these final three games, it's going to be another quarterback competition next year. So somebody's got to step up. And if not, I, maybe you start looking at some of the younger guys. Maybe you start looking at Reese Phillips, but I don't even know if the answers are there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see just what happens in Nashville in that Vanderbilt game. You beat Vanderbilt, and I, I think Kentucky fans are all on board because they know they're going to beat Charlotte and get back to a bowl game, and you're playing with house money against rival Louisville. And we live in such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society. What's your prediction for this Vanderbilt game, Justin? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Vanderbilt to win by 10 points or able to get everything back on the track. Once they prove to me that they can do that, then I, then I will pick them to beat a Power 5 conference team. But there's, there's not a track record of it yet, so prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, and I'll eat crow. But going into the game, I don't think Vanderbilt's playing great. Florida played a bad game. Vanderbilt looked awful against Houston. You know, this is a team, let's not exaggerate how good Vanderbilt is. I didn't see Derek Mason making them this competitive after last season's debacle, after last season's dumpster fire, really. Um, but they're playing a little bit better than Kentucky is, and there are some stats that lead me to believe Kentucky could struggle if they, if they don't change some things up. I think Vanderbilt's only given up six passing touchdowns this season. Kentucky's got like a 9-13 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio. Both teams have committed the same number of penalties, but Kentucky's been penalized for like 140 more yards, so their penalties are just a lot more severe. Kentucky last in the country in average average starting field position. I think Vanderbilt does a good job, kind of like Virginia basketball, of sucking you into their kind of game, uh, forcing their tempo, their style, making the game ugly. And I think Kentucky really struggles to win those kind of games because they're fundamentally 
just just not there yet. Do you, or do, you, do you think that that's a pretty fair assessment, or do you think Kentucky gets it back on track? I think that's very fair. Um, I'm I'm on the same boat with you. I'd rather just start – I'm just going to start picking Kentucky to lose. I'm actually going to start picking Kentucky to lose by large margins. And when I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. Fans can come after me and call me an idiot. But right now that just seems like the trend Kentucky football is going on. And I'm going to pick Vanderbilt to win 20-7. to 7. And while that's only a 13-point game, uh, with Vanderbilt's defense, that will probably feel like a lot more. I do think Kentucky gets a touchdown in there at some point. Uh, but 20-7, to 7, and I, again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're looking and talking and previewing maybe a bowl eligibility win this time next week against Charlotte. But TJ, uh, TJ before, before, before you segue, before you segue to Vasquez, I know you're going to, it's not doing anybody a favor to pick Kentucky at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't pick to do favors or, or to be optimistic or to be homers or whatever. I mean, we've been pretty fair in our predictions. But I think some people expect us to give them the benefit of the doubt when it's like a 50-50 call. And at this point, that's, that's not accountability. You're not doing anybody any favors if you're just assuming that they're going to get it done. It's like, show me, right? You, you have to. Exactly. And I, I thought Kentucky would go down and give Georgia a good game. I thought Georgia would win. But I feel like an idiot now. I mean, I do. And I, I'm kind of sick of feeling like an idiot by picking this Kentucky team to keep games close. And, again, maybe I'll feel like an idiot because Kentucky will go down to Nashville. They'll get things right. Patrick Tolles will hit a stride, and they'll beat a very mediocre Vanderbilt team by 10 plus but if that's the case then you know i'll apologize next week or say i'm wrong next week but right now i just think vanderbilt's trending one way kentucky's trending the other and uh we'll, we'll see and i, I do want to segue to basketball is there anything else you want to add to football before we do that yeah, real briefly mark stoops i think has handled this really well i love i love his public demeanor the one thing that i would tweak is he's got to take the kids he's got to take the kids gloves off i think he's been a little bit soft on this team he's, he's very very um Maybe maybe protective of Patrick Tolles earlier in the season, and then and then maybe earlier this week in his interview about this team, he got a little bit defensive and, and kind of challenged the fans to step back up to the plate, not to put their heads down. It's the team's responsibility. The fan base has been very good this season. It's the team's responsibility right now to do their part. Well said. I agree with you. I think Kentucky has done. Kentucky fans have done a good job of following this team. I know a lot maybe have jumped off the bandwagon with basketball season starting. With those guys, I, with those fans, I don't even necessarily blame them. I know they'll be back if Kentucky can somehow make a bull, go into that Louisville game with six wins already. And I, I think that's more than fair for them to choose if they want to continue to follow this team or not because they have been super supportive. Some of those atmospheres have looked like some of the better Commonwealth Stadium atmospheres in some time. So, uh, you, you can't blame the fans at this point, especially the ones that are kind of sick of seeing this Kentucky team lose. And it, a lot of those fans, like I mentioned, have moved on to basketball. This podcast is going to move on to basketball here for the remaining uh, five to ten minutes, however much time we have. Kentucky will have their season opener against Albany on Friday. They'll turn right back around against uh, NJIT on Saturday, and everybody's looking forward to that Duke game on Tuesday. I guess, Justin, the next time we do a podcast, we'll be – uh, recapping that Duke game, which is crazy to think that will be one of the bigger games on UK's schedule. Uh, but basketball season's here, Justin. How excited are you about this Kentucky team just watching them play on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I, probably about a, a 10, I would say. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on my expectations for this bunch. Um, I, I, I had some question marks. I thought they looked really good in some areas, but I thought their potential weaknesses were potentially debilitating weaknesses if you're talking like a national championship run. But, man, I, I think those guards are so much better than even I anticipated. That's going to make up for, for a lot of errors. It's just, they're going to make so many players around them better. They're going to elevate 
the, the gains of those guys at the wings and those guys inside are going to be so difficult to defend. I think they're going to start a lot stronger than people think. Do you, you think that that's probably the case? Do you, do you think that they're going to have the same kind of growing things that maybe some other young teams would have, even some other really talented young teams? Do you think that having that kind of backcourt gets them out of the gate a little bit faster? I think they're going to struggle some games, or uh, some. Sh- I, I should say, they're going to struggle some stretches of games. I would be surprised if they just had a stinker 40-minute performance at any point this season, uh, maybe on the road in January or February when they get bored. But I would be surprised if they just had a complete stinker of a game for 40 minutes because, I, I one, I, I do think they have some – I think their experience is huge here. Tyler Ulis is just a proven winner. Uh, he's not going to allow a, a Kentucky team to get blown out or get behind too much. And then Marcus Lee has played in some major games throughout his career. So there is some experience to add with a bunch of these young guys. But, yeah, like you said, the backcourt and the ability to score and even going towards the front court with Scalabissier, uh, they're just going to be able to come back in any game, even if they start slow, even if they – things go bad for a four- to eight-minute stretch, they're going to be able to score so well that an eight-point lead could be evaporated in a matter of minutes or seconds with this team with how good they're going to be able to score. So uh, I don't. I agree. I, I, it's not going to be like the 2011 Final Four team that took their lumps early on in the year. It, it's certainly not going to be like the NIT year, not even close to that, and not even like the 2014 team that went on to go to the national title game but lost a lot of games. I think this is going to be a team that is going to be ranked in the top five or ten throughout the entire season. They're not going to be undefeated. They're not going to go 38-0, but they're going to be a team that's going to be competitive every game, and they're going to win a lot more than they're going to lose, and all that starts on Friday night. You're right, and, and I think even beyond the offense-defense, I certainly agree in the offense, and I agree on the defense. The defense is largely an unknown. Don't know how it's going to be compared to some of Calipari's you know, better defensive teams, but I think even beyond just scoring a lot, this team is going to—they're going to value the basketball. They're going to understand game situations, and they're—they're going to know how long their possession should last. They're going to know—they're just going to know who's the hot hand. It seems like they're going to have a better sense for the game and maybe a better basketball IQ just because it seems like Ulis and Murray are just the kind of guys that are just in such control out there. You know, they're going to be efficient. They're going to be smart. You know, they're going to score a lot, but they're going to be really smart players. And I think that that's going to affect offense, defense, and just kind of the general the general course these games take. And I'll do the segue, if you don't mind, to De'Aaron Fox, the the basketball player that's going to be making a decision on Thursday. And, TJ, you're the expert here. Here's my question. We've got him. This isn't your ranking. This is Rivals.com's ranking, our network. You didn't do it. He's ranked number five in the country overall. That's the same ranking that Teague and Andrew Harrison had in their respective classes. How is he prepared how is he going to come in compared to those two guys as the guy that you give the basketball to and you say, okay, we're going to compete for a championship? Compare him to those two in terms of his readiness to lead Kentucky's Kentucky basketball team. Uh-oh, same ranking as Andrew Harrison. They're both from Texas. I wonder if some U.K. Right. fans are going to get superstitious that De'Aaron Fox may take some time to – to, to reach his peak, although I think Andrew Harrison is incredibly underrated as a U.K. player, but he certainly caught a lot of scrutiny. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is going to be different than both those guys, where I think he's going to be more college-ready from day one. And the interesting thing about Fox, when and I, I think Teague was also a really good Kentucky uh, point guard that people didn't really 
look at that much because he was on a team with Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and uh, a ton of other stars. But Fox is going to be able to come in, and I do expect Tyler Ulis to leave after this year. So I think De'Aaron Fox will be the point guard on next year's team. Uh, Marcus Teague was really talented. He did a lot of things. He was athletic. But Kentucky had to tell him, hey, we don't need you to score. We've got scores. We just need you to facilitate and play good defense. With De'Aaron Fox, I, I, Calipari's just going to give him the green light. He's going to be on a Brandon Knight diet where he's going to be able to score. He's going to be able to do whatever he wants. He's going to pass. He's a good passer. He's a really smart player. And you're going to see Fox have a freshman year maybe similar to uh, the numbers maybe won't be as similar, but it's going to be a similar to Brandon Knight and John Wall, where he's the leader of the team. Everything goes through him and he'll probably lead the team in points. I, I think Darren Fox is going to have a great, if he picks Kentucky, which I imagine that that will be the case. If he doesn't pick UK, I would be shocked. But if he picks Kentucky and ends up at UK, I think he's set up for a huge freshman season where uh, much more successful than, uh, Marcus Teague, who, again, I thought did a lot of really good things, and Andrew Harrison, who, again, also did a lot of great things. So uh, Fox will be in that conversation with John Wall, uh, Brandon Knight, and then I think Jamal Murray is going to have a huge year as well, so maybe in that conversation too, but we'll we'll, we'll wait and see exactly what Jamal Murray does. Yeah, yeah, so it's a great discussion. You know, there are a lot of lessons in Teague and Harrison, completely different players than Fox, it appears, but they, they prove that you don't have to start strong. And they both proved that, you know, over the course of the season, part of growing, part of, part of becoming a championship-caliber point guard, if you have that elite talent, is, is learning to accept your limitations and a reduced role, maybe less than you want to do, less than you think that you can do. And, you know, that's only true necessarily if you've got the kind of talent around you that those guys had. And that's, that's one question that's going to be answered in time. I don't know projecting ahead if, if Fox is going to be surrounded by that level of overwhelming talent that both Teague and Harrison had, which is, I think, one of the reasons that both of them were able to elevate their game and the team was able to get hot at the right time. But let me play devil's advocate really, really briefly. Dennis Smith ranked one spot ahead of the year in Fox in the rivals' rankings, number four, number five nationally. Smith committed to NC State. Well, why do you think that he's ranked one spot ahead of Fox? Now, are they basically basically similar players, or, or what do you think would, would cause somebody to put one ahead of the other? They're really not all that similar players. And, and Eric Bossy does a great job. I, I genuinely, not just because they employ me, Justin, but I genuinely think uh, rivals' rankings are, are more spot on than any other site in terms of the top 150. But I, I do think they're, De'Aaron Fox probably shouldn't be the number one player in the rivals' 150, but he should be ahead of Dennis Smith, and maybe I would put him, De'Aaron Fox, at number three or number four, and we'll see as the season goes on. Dennis Smith, unfortunately, does have that injury, uh, so he will be out his senior year, and I don't know if he'll even be able to play in some of those All-Star games. Uh, but Dennis Smith is really good. He's shifty. He's quick. He's a good passer. He, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tyus Jones and just being able to beat guys off the dribble, find the open man, and also a, a, Tyus Jones was a much better shooter, so... I, I don't want to compare them too much, but just how quick with the ball in their hands they are. Darren Fox is bigger. He's six foot three, almost six foot four. He's a little bit more physical, but he's also very quick. Darren Fox really does remind me of a better shooting John Wall. Think about that. A better shooting John Wall. Darren Fox is a much better shooter than Dennis Smith. And that's why that's why I have a problem with Dennis Smith being ranked one spot higher. Uh, Brandon Knight's also solid. You know, I like to make comparisons with UK players because it lets UK fans have a better idea of what I'm talking about. Darren Fox is going to have a John Wall and Brandon Knight like impact. 
He's a scoring point guard that can shoot from anywhere on the floor, and he can also put it on the rim and attack the rim. So uh, I would definitely have him above Dennis Smith, although Dennis Smith is incredibly talented, should be in the top ten, but De'Aaron Fox uh, is the better player, in my opinion, and I think the best point guard in in high school basketball and maybe the best point guard in college basketball when he's a freshman. And again, it's not 100% right now that he's going to end up at UK, but I would be completely shocked if it wasn't Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, and then just on a broader point, you know, I, I don't think anybody really believed that Calipari had lost it. Um, you know, I don't know how many top ten players are going to get in that class, but but you got to think that Cal might might take a little satisfaction, you know, if, if, if Fox uh, picks Kentucky. And we should we should remind everybody, Fox is not committed to Kentucky. We're talking to him like we're talking about him like like it's already done. You know, we expect it, but it's not done yet. Give him his moment. Um, but it's just a pretty crudely, you got to feel like Calipari might feel like, you know, this is kind of a, a giant middle finger to the critics, you know. Duke's yeah. Duke picking up huge top five commitments left and right. This is kind of vintage Calipari. Hey, you know, I'm still here. And you think it's big in that regard as well? Absolutely. And everybody's talking about Duke, and you heard everybody talking about Duke in the 2015 class, and uh, then Kentucky goes after Harry Giles, Jason Tatum. They end up at Duke. Uh, Kentucky goes all in on Miles Bridges. They miss on him as he goes to Michigan State. Markel Fultz kind of played Kentucky, and John Calipari had a different recruiting strategy with him, one that he doesn't like to do, but he did it for Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz kind of gives him the middle finger, ends up at Washington. And here's Kentucky sitting, if they land De'Aaron Fox, with three five-star players that are incredibly talented, and UK finds himself in a great position with a few other bigs and Malik Monk, who's the shooting guard right behind De'Aaron Fox in the Rivals 150. It could still be a number one recruiting class, and that is with Michigan State having the best class that Izzo has ever had. It's with uh, Mike Krzyzewski having the best class that Duke has ever had, and you could still have Calipari on top there. But even if he doesn't finish with the number one, Assuming he does get De'Aaron Fox when he commits on Thursday, it's still going to be a monster class. It's going to be a really good class. And this will be fun because then, okay, Tom Izzo, you're going to have a lot of talented freshmen. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, you're going to have a lot of talented freshmen. And and Coach K gets a little bit of a pass because he won with a lot of talented freshmen uh, last year for the national championship. But he'll say, okay, these three Hall of Fame coaches, let's see who does the best job with them. uh, John Calipari has been succeeding with these guys for years now. Coach uh, Mike Krzyzewski, a little bit newer to the one-and-done system. Tom Izzo has neglected it, uh, not on purpose. He just hasn't been able to land these guys. He finally can. All right, let's see you all win with those one-and-done players, and and we'll see if John Calipari can continue to win with them. And I would put my money on John Calipari just like I think you would, Justin. Yeah, after this last year, all the hand-wringing about, oh, Kentucky's not going to contend for a national championship this year for the the first time preseason in the Calipari era. Look what he did. You know, if this year didn't didn't just cause you to you know sit on your hands and just chill out, you know, I don't know what is. You know, if he can put the roster together that they've got this year, look how far out we are. Look how many guys are still on the board. Reclassifications, transfers. Who the heck knows who's coming back? I'm going to put my money on him as well. Duke's going to be really good, but there's no reason for me to believe that Kentucky's not going to be contending for another Final Four as well. Yeah. We're out of time. There, We've got two basketball games. We'll have three basketball games by the time we do the next podcast. We'll have a football game. So you won't want to miss next Thursday's Cats Illustrated podcast. We do them every Wednesday. Uh, you can find them at catsillustrated.com. You can listen live on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Justin, as always, thanks for joining me. These are a lot of fun. Thanks, DJ. Justin Rowland, the publisher, publisher of Cats, Cats Illustrated.com. As I heard my echo there really quickly. Uh, anyways, we need to head to commercial break. We'll Justin be right back here on 1450. <laughs> 
Yeah, he was trying to get out of there. That was a long one. Uh, we'll be, that's what she said. We'll be right back here on 1450 The Sports Bus. Some of the best times you'll never remember with me. Alcohol. Alcohol. The Sports Talker. This is my rifle. This is my gun. This is for fighting. This is for fun. Here's TJ Walker. We're back here, 1450 of the Sports Buzz. Should have done this at the beginning of the show. But want to wish everybody that has served or currently serving a happy Veterans Day. I have several members of my family, uh, some late members of my family that have served and uh, want to thank them for their service. My stepdad served and I want to obviously thank him. Uh, we wouldn't be doing the show without you guys. And I hope you all, uh, everybody out there is that has served is having a... Uh, yeah, or currently does serve again. Can't forget that is having a great Veterans Day. Do you notice there's an American military movie theme in all my in my rejoins today? Is there? We heard Charlie going America all over them. Uh, the, yeah, uh, well, good for you. I went it, out and put my American <laughs> flags in the front yard, and um, it's a it's a it's a special day. And hopefully, you thank the veteran, Trevor. That includes you too. If you see one, tell them thank you. Uh, for what they do, uh, some sac- sacrificed uh, a little, and some gave their all, and I appreciate everyone who has served or is currently serving. Oh, they get all my thank yous because they do a job I would never do. If I was told to go in the military, give me some mayonnaise on my fries and finish my sentences with the word egg because I'm Canadian, buddy. <laughs> I, I'm not doing I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm just telling you, you're going to waste your t- taxpayers' money training me because I'm going to – I'll be like it'll be worse than when the, you saw Andy Dick and uh, Polly Shore and in the army now, and I'm probably end up going to probably get slaughtered within five minutes because I can't run away and I have no aim. So I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. My, my thanks is 100 percent to the veterans because you do a job I'll never be able to do. He, I agree a hundred percent. Except I, I probably wouldn't run to Canada. Dra- <laughs> I probably wouldn't be a draft dodger if if they if they if my country asked that of me, but. A lot of these people, their country didn't necessarily ask that of them, and they did it anyway. Some the country did ask, and they served brilliantly. So uh, thanks to everybody that has and continues to do so. And I hope you have a uh, a special day. Got a text into the show from Lauren wondering, the U.K. crowd in Nashville this weekend. And that's a good question because 
I've wondered about this too. Usually UK travels really well to Nashville for anything, especially for basketball, but even for football, they generally have a pretty good crowd. I, I went, I've been to the last few UK games in Nashville. This will be the first one I've missed in a while. Doesn't hurt. Nashville's a fun town. No, well, duh. It's, it's a really probably the number three party town in America. And it's close to Louisville and Lexington. So yeah, obviously. Wait a minute, is Vegas one? Who's 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 the other top top two above Nashville then? Vegas is one. Yeah. Guess who number two is? New Orleans. Yep. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. New York would probably be a good party town. I mean, we don't know that. Yeah, but is there one event? LA, that you, maybe. I know. Mean, those are just big cities. <laughs> well, I mean, the big cities come big parties. Yeah, fun parties. But you would not put New York or LA over those three, in my opinion. Uh, not Vegas, definitely. But I, I've sidetracked you enough. Continue. Not New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, well, see, I've been, I've been to all three, so I do have firsthand experience in all three. But I've not been to New York or LA, so I, I have problems. I've been to New York that. or LA, and LA rather. And uh, New York is fun, and there's a ton of bars, but there's not like one place to go to get drinks. There's not one place to go to run into everybody. There's not one place to go to see crazy stuff. What about Fourth uh, Street Live? Sit- <laughs> that's this yeah yeah put louisville number four beale street's um, number five <laughs> but those other ones are huge cities yeah nashville new orleans las vegas that have just uh, centralized areas where just people get hammered so in that Ve- could be uh, in vegas uh, case it's the entire city limits <laughs> exactly uh, but I, I think it's safe with those three so kentucky gener- for that reason kentucky travels to nashville in huge huge numbers i don't think i think this is probably gonna be the lowest showing in nashville in a long time now two years ago wasn't very good either so it'll probably be similar to how it was two years ago and that kentucky team had a terrible record they were finished the year two and ten and i was there for that game there wasn't as many uk fans as normal i would guess it'd be similar to that there will still be a lot and it'll be a, a decent showing but it won't be like what year was it? Was it 2009 that I went down there and nearly half the stadium was UK blue? It was, it was cool to see. It won't be like that. It doesn't hurt. Uh, Vanderbilt it, usually doesn't bring a lot of crowd either. Unless no, they don't. And the tickets are cheap. They're affordable. Yeah. Uh, so if you're a UK fan and you're thinking about going, uh, tickets will be cheap. You'll be able to get tickets. It's a four o'clock game, which is nice. That gives you some time before to tailgate a little bit and plenty of time after to go hit the town if you're going to choose to do that. Uh, but... There isn't, uh, there there won't be as many UK fans as I imagined. Uh, but again, maybe I'll be proven wrong. But and also the basketball game, I'm sure there were some season ticket holders, UK season ticket holders for basketball that were planning on driving down to Nashville. Oh, but now you had that UK basketball game. They wouldn't be able to get rid of their tickets. They're going to stay in town. You also have the game on Friday. Maybe somebody wanted to make a weekend of it, but now there's two UK basketball games and they can't get rid of both those because they paid an arm and a leg for those tickets. So uh, that well, won't help the cause. It's like three hours away. I mean, it's not like we're driving to Vegas, people. I mean, okay, but if you have a 4 o'clock football game and the basketball team plays, plays at 8 o'clock, I, what are you, you going to get a helicopter back? You gonna get a fighter pilot back? Well, the basketball team play. I thought the basketball team played Sunday. They play Friday and Saturday. Oh, I thought they played Sunday. I stand corrected. I apologize. Then okay, I was thinking for so, some reason they played Friday Sunday. I don't know why. Now it feels they they might have and they changed the schedule. I don't. They changed one game, uh, but this game they may have just changed the time of this Saturday game. But anyways, okay. uh, this is it's Friday Saturday, okay. so I don't think it'll be. A, uh, a huge UK showing, but again, I could be wrong. If you're thinking about going, go ahead and go. It's Nashville, even if 
Kentucky plays terrible, even if the game's terrible, probably won't be the most entertaining game to watch, you're still in a top three party city, in my opinion. Got a text in from Captain Arctic, who says, how good is 7th Woods, who signed with UNC today? And that is a good question. He picked UNC over USC, uh, South Carolina, and Frank Martin. He's from Columbia. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> South Carolina seemed like the favorite in this recruitment. Ultimately, Seventh Woods picked uh, UNC. Seventh Woods was the uh, mixtape sensation, like against similar to Thon Maker, except Thon Maker's actually pretty good right now. Seventh Woods, when he was in seventh or eighth grade, fans went crazy over his mixtape because he was an unbelievable dribbler. He's a really good passer. He's not that great of a player. Uh, really, if UNC didn't have probation and the NCAA lingering over their head, they would have never recruited a guy like Seventh Woods. Uh, he, it, he's a South Carolina caliber player who couldn't pass up the opportunity playing for UNC next year when they're going to lose a lot Marcus Page and a, tons of players. It's going to be an exodus from North Carolina after the NCAA comes down uh, and hammers their athletic program. So he's not all that great, Captain Arctic. If he stays at UNC for three or four years when he's a junior or senior, I'm sure he could be a good player. Uh, he is a terrible shooter, a terrible shooter. So uh, I, I don't want to rip the kid. I feel like I'm doing I think that. you have already. You're past I, but, that. <laughs> but, but he's a you know, really good passer. He's a really good point guard that just has no – he can't shoot. I, th- I, can't think, I think you passed ripping him when you made the comparison. He's kind of like Don Maker, but Don Maker's talented. I mean, you, well, you've already, you've well, already, no, I, I meant that. I, that you're already setting yourself up to go in. This guy I mean, might have a cool name, but TJ does not like his game. There, I don't, I don't really like his game all that much. And again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I thought I'm saying he was similar to the the seventh grade sensation of yeah, Don Maker stuff, yeah. with the mixtapes, except Don Maker actually turned out to be an awesome prospect. <laughs> Where Seventh Woods is just he's a four star and you know I'd probably have maybe at a three star. Um, that's still caliber. That's still a solid caliber three and four stars. Yeah, but not for UNC. UNC shouldn't be getting four stars. He sure. And he, I, but I'm saying he should probably be a three star. He is a four star. It depends on U, it depends. UNC the class shouldn't be getting three stars. I mean, if he's a three star amongst like three five stars, and I don't think it's a problem. But I mean, and I don't know what the rest of the recruiting class is. But if he's one of your top two or three guys at a three star level, then yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's no that's not UNC's caliber. But his name is Seventh Woods. I mean, it's kind of a cool name. North Carolina has an okay class. Uh, they're getting four stars for 2016. Uh, again, they should be getting five stars. They should be getting a lot better players. But they're doing – and Roy Williams, I don't know how much longer he's going to be at North Carolina. But he's doing a good job because everybody knows UNC is going to get hammered, yeah. Trevor. That, it's just – it's going to happen. I don't know. Maybe uh, they with, won't. It's NCAA for all we know. I mean. it, maybe not. But – so they've had a really tough time recruiting. Their recruiting the past few years has not been, really since 2014 class, has not been good. So 2015 was bad. 2016 is going to be okay. But they've done a good job of getting these four-star guys. They're, they're kind of doing a similar Louisville recruiting approach where you're just going to get guys that are going to be around for a while that are going to need some coaching. They're going to need some development. They're going to need some time. But when they're juniors or seniors, they're going to be pretty good. So UNC may only have one true down year. And even that year, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament because of, they're probably going to be postseason bans. But uh, they maybe be a bubble team. And then after that, they're going to probably be, you know, six seed, seven seed, semi-competitive in the ACC. So I, Roy Williams is doing a decent job. I mean, he can't be worse than the Matt Doherty era. 
No, it, it I mean, won't that be that bad. bad. I mean, that was didn't that team go like six and twenty-five? Now, if they year? lose scholarships, you know we'll have to reevaluate this whole thing. But they're doing an okay job of making sure they're going to stay semi-relevant uh, when the NCAA eventually does come down. I feel like the NCAA is like a boogeyman in this scenario where you don't know what they're going to do, when they're going to do it. I'm the boogeyman. How bad it's going to be, but uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So again, De'Aaron Fox's decision tomorrow for Kentucky. I wouldn't expect any other fall signees for the Cats, uh, but time will tell. Okay, uh, what else do we have to do, Trevor, while we're while we're still on the show today? What else we need to get to? <laughs> well, back before we uh, were rudely interrupted, uh, we were discussing a little television, and I did learn uh, over the commercial break, and I know you've learned it now since, so other than the uh, your, your new favorite show on Amazon does come out officially on November 20th. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I looked that up as well, and I'm talking about uh, Man on the High Castle and Man on High Castle. Man, the man in the High Castle. And Not I, on it. I He's will say in the this, High Castle. The, the guy that wrote that book, who he did pass away in 1982, hasn't written a novel or released a novel since 1977. He's got a pretty good resume that you may not realize. Uh, he wrote a, his book, We Can Remember It for, the, your, for You Wholesale in 1966, you may know it better as the movie Total Recall. Uh, he did. Uh, he wrote The Minority Report in 1956 as a short story, which we all know is a movie that came out in 2002. Uh, and one of my favorites, Do Droids Dream of Electric Sheep? Never heard of the 1968 novel by Philip Dick. But I do know the movie by Ridley Scott, Blade Runner, 1982, which is a pretty damn cool movie as well. So the guy's got a pretty good resume. And, I mean, I'm sure there's other – maybe he also did Adjustment Bureau, which I, I remember that movie. I never saw it. But was a based on his 1954 novel as well, so yeah, a little un, maybe underrated in terms of uh, what he's produced. That's a that's a great resume. Yeah, I mean a lot so, of them, and all these books all came out in the 50s, and all were made into movies in like after the 90s or in some cases 2000s, including Paycheck by John Woo. Well, the, if you haven't watched it, it's certainly a show to check out. Uh, something else basketball-related today, Trevor. It seems like today was the day that everybody released their bracketologies, every different website. I thought they got uh, released after the tournament was over. No, no, no. Well, that, that's the uh, bracket itself. No, oh, I mean, wait, what do you mean? I mean, as soon as, as soon as Duke won the championship, didn't they have bracketology out Bra- like the yeah. next day? I thought you meant after the conference tournaments. No, that's the actual no, no, bracket. No, no. no uh, yeah, people have been doing this for a while, but this is their official preseason one. You know who's there. You know who's not there. You have you can look forward to this, and you can look forward to the that. The others were unofficial? Is that what you're saying? Well, this is their official preseason one. The other ones were just – you. Unofficial. they did it after the season just for, just for you know. You had no idea who was going to stay, who was going to go, the transfers, this and that. But uh, these are – this is their official preseason predictions okay. of how they think the season's going to go. Uh, everyone I've seen, whether it be ESPN, CBS Sports, uh, Fox Sports, maybe Sports Illustrated, I forget how many I've run across today, all of them have Kentucky as a one seed, which is good. Our boy Shelby Mass, who comes on the show and, and talks brackets with us, uh, he had Kentucky a one seed out west. I, I don't. If Kentucky's going to be a one seed, they're going to be a one seed in in the South region playing in freedom hall. There's no way that they're going to be a one seed and they're going to ship them out West, but well, it depends yeah. how what time of good of a season they have, or somebody would, would, would do yeah, not maybe I, get the, get the South. And, and I, I think regardless, they're going to have Kentucky. In. Cause when you talk Duke and UNC, when they're going to be one seeds and the, the regional sites 
are. I don't have them in front of me. I'm assuming there's somebody there. They're Chicago, they're Louisville, and then out west, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of it. Maybe LA. I mean, Duke, I could see going to Chicago if they're instead of obviously Louisville, but. Well, so the thing is, with the closest one for Duke and UNC being Louisville, it's still. Uh, it's it's Philadelphia and Anaheim. So Anaheim, Chicago, Louisville, Philadelphia are the regional sites. Uh, with Duke and UNC possibly being one seeds, and UNC probably more more so than Duke, Louisville is still what eight hours away, seven hours away from Duke. Yeah. So they're not going to feel the need to put them closest to home. Uh, they could still put them in Philadelphia, which is more ACC territory. They yeah. could put them in Chicago, where they have a big alumni base, because every school has a big alumni base in Chicago. Chicago uh, makes sense to me with Duke. I don't I mean. think they'd ship them out west to Anaheim. No. no. But I, I don't think they'll feel the need, okay, we're going to send you to the closest one, which is uh, Louisville. Go there. They're gonna, if Kentucky's a one seed, they'll be in Louisville. You, you, Even you, if, you, you get to number one in the west if you're either A, probably an overrated west coast team, or B, the bottom of the East Coast barrel in terms yeah. of the best of the best. Like Gonzaga could maybe be the number one out West. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're either, and I'm, you're not tricking me into that one because I liked Gonzaga last year and you hated them. But I do agree. Yeah, Gonzaga didn't didn't need to be a one seed. That's the type of what you get out in the West. So everybody's got Kentucky as a number one seed from what I can see. And I, I agree with that for the most part. Now, everybody has Louisville in the tournament except for one. And I couldn't remember. I think it might have been. I think it was Sports Illustrated's Bastards. bracketology didn't have Louisville in the in the bracket at all. And Louisville's a strange team because our boy Shelby Mass at CBS Sports and USA Today, they have or USA Today, not CBS, excuse me. Uh, they had Louisville four seed. ESPN has them as a ten seed. Yeah. Uh, CBS CBS might have been the one that excluded them altogether. Um and which is strange to me. So they're kind of all over the place. What would be your prediction, preseason prediction, Trevor? Obviously, this can change for uh, yeah. Louisville. And uh, uh, what seed they will end up with? I'm hoping that the one who left them out is is assuming they're going to be on probation in some way, whether it be self-imposed or NCAA imposed. Because I can't imagine even in a team, even with a Louisville team that is maybe down with a lot of question marks, not making this tournament. I just, I don't, I can't fathom that whatsoever. Um. You want me to give me an exact, or can I give like a range? You can, you can do whatever you want. Okay, so thank you. I appreciate. it. Look at that. Uh, it's like I'm in college again. I get the freedom to do whatever I want. Uh, I say anywhere, but I'll give you a range, and I'll say, you know, six to ten, probably. I think six, maybe be. Now, obviously, the highest could be maybe a four if you get hot at the right time. But realistically, I think best case scenario, this team is a six. More than likely, maybe a seven ten. I think I. I'd rather be seven, ten than eight or nine. I'll say that much. Obviously. Obviously, anybody would rather be seven or ten or eight, nine. I think six would probably be the ceiling. Maybe five, and. I mean, but my guess would be if they were to get hot in the ACC tournament and and get to the finals of the ACC tournament, or even maybe win. I mean, I don't know. Winning would obviously put them even higher. If they were to get to the finals of the ACC tournament in a nice fashion, with what probably be a twenty-win season behind on their on their resume, regardless. I could see him going, depending on the the perception of the ACC at that point in time, uh, which should be pretty high. Yeah, I, I think maybe a four would be would be a nice if losing an ACC if they won the ACC title. I mean, if they were able to do that and get hot and win the ACC uh, tournament, I mean, they could go as high as a three. But I, that yeah. would be, I mean, that was again, that's obviously it's a, 
That's that point in time, not. the perception of the ACC, which will probably be good, but I mean, we saw I, we saw UConn the, the go good to news a three seed the year they won the title, and they were maybe this is maybe this is bad news, but the good news is their out of conference schedule is terrible. Now they're going to lose at Michigan State and they'll lose at Kentucky, but really there's no other games there that should be losses. Now, do they slip and lose one? Probably. Patino generally does that. So maybe they lose one that they shouldn't lose. They got a couple they should of head into, games like North Florida. Not as, they, as should, they, they should head into conference play with no more than three losses, in my opinion. And then in conference play, I think they're going to lose on the road. I think they'll take care of business against most teams at home. And, you know, they'll finish the regular season with, what, nine losses, ten losses, somewhere in that ballpark. I, I, I figure between eight and eleven. So yeah. and that'll be good enough for anywhere from a, a six to eight seed. All, all things considered. Oh, you're, you're you're a major a, a big a big time. You're one of the big five conferences, and if you've only got in between eight and eleven losses, likely you're somewhere between twenty one and twenty three wins. Uh, yeah, you're not. You're you're anywhere in between eight and ten. I mean, how many times have we seen the the big five conference team that had that went twenty and ten or twenty and eleven and get an eight seed or nine seed? I mean, it's 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 every year. There's two or three of those. And then ESPN asks. 27 of their basketball experts, which how do they have 27 basketball experts? <laughs> Can you a lot name of them all 27? <laughs> no, a lot of them I've never heard of, which it's like expert of what. But uh, 27 of their basketball experts, they predicted Final Fours, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, all that fun stuff. Two of the 27 picked Kentucky to win the title, which I thought was a little low, but that that's okay. Everybody's so high on Kansas. I just I don't get it, especially with uh, Czech Diallo still in jeopardy. Curious who, who the two were, I'm wondering. It, one was... Oh, some was? intern from the counting. <laughs> no, they one I had actually one I hadn't heard of, and then one I had heard of. I want to pull that up here. Assuming it wasn't Goodman, it it was not Goodman. Uh, you're right about that. Not Jeff Goodman. He didn't have UK in the Final Four. That, wow. But in their in their Final Four predictions, only twelve of twenty seven had UK in the Final Four. Really, I found that uh, I I thought that was a little low, and that's just under half of the people. But I thought that was a little low. The two people that picked UK to win the title were Sean Harrington and then uh, Reggie Rankin. Who Reggie Rankin I'm familiar with. Sean Harrington I've heard of, but I'm not. I don't really know who he is. Who if Kentucky made 12 of 27 Final Four votes, was that the most of any team, or would that go? No, 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 no. Uh, UNC Kansas they definitely made it more, and then I would probably say Maryland made it more too. Uh, Maryland had five championship picks. Uh, UNC really? had UNC had seven, and then Kansas I think had the most uh, five, seven, eight had eight championship picks. Now, I like Maryland, but I mean Michigan State had three, which is obviously more than Kentucky. And hopefully Renshaw's not listening because he, he he's gonna get mad at me. But I mean, there's I think I mean I think Maryland's obviously bringing back the talent with Trimble, and you bring in Suleiman, and I forget the uh, the little white guard's name and they got the other big white dude but, but I mean that's that was a team that was still pretty sporadic last year I mean and I, I want to see a little more consistency as this year goes along and I know obviously this is preseason picks but I, I didn't see enough consistency last year even though I know how much talent they bring back to think that they would get that many championship nods I mean when I for example and this is ironically because when I said what did I say earlier the West is either the overrated overrated uh Western Conference team getting a one seed, or if it's the bottom of the barrel East, and ESPN number one seed in the West, Maryland. Yeah, uh, I again the thing I, I don't understand is a lot of twelve of twenty seven had UK in the Final Four, 
if Kentucky gets in that regional, the Louisville regional, which I think they will, even if they're a two seed, I think they're going they've to. They've got Kentucky and Duke one and two in the, in the ESPN bracket, by the way. In a lot of brackets, they do have Kentucky and Duke in the same region, which would yeah. be crazy. But if Kentucky and Duke are playing, or if Kentucky and anybody, if Kentucky's in the Louisville regional, you have two games to get to the Final Four playing basically a home game. Oh, yeah. Come on, Kentucky's going to get to the Final Four if that's the case. Now, if they're not in the Louisville Regional, who knows? But they're going to be in the Re- Louisville Regional, and they will be in a Final Four. So uh, I couldn't believe that only 12 of 27 had them in there. But I guess we'll find out, and we'll do our preview show on Friday, and it'll be a good time. we got plenty to talk about tomorrow. So join us uh, tomorrow, 1450, the Sports Buzz. We'll see you then. Take the Jordan boy, show them how Kentucky do. Uncle Freak's classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget to seven, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Let me hear you say, high time, sitting